Speaking of themes, mm-hmm. how's the writing been? Uh, it's been okay. It's yeah. been it's been a little. Uh, I mean, it's consistent. Like I'm doing it, mm-hmm. but uh, I've I've I had some bursts of energy, and then I'm I'm back to feeling stagnant. Really? So it's it's more like the okay, let's let's open a vein and get it on page. Just do it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, because I, mean, I sent you, I did I did some of the Charles Whitman stuff that I sent you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I've. And that's mostly like transcription and editing work because I'm I'm going through the documentation that I have, like the pictures I took. Mm-hmm. Like, I forget it was three or two and a half years ago. It was November two, 2014 that I took those photos originally. It was the last time I worked on this. Wow. Um, and so I was going through those photos, which were a lot fewer than I thought. Like I remember taking <laughs> a lot more, but I'm looking at them like there's maybe two dozen or so. Mm. Um. Because I think originally I was thinking like, well, I'm going to come back and do this again and again, like as, you know, part of my dramaturgical work and that fell apart. Right. Uh, so like part of me is like, I need to go back to the archive and take, take more pictures. Take a lot more photos. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've worked with some of that, but uh, I've kind of crafted that into a couple things because there's, um, there's, well, the witness statement was the first thing I sent you, which I was really proud of. Like, I really liked the rhythm and, and the feel of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I'm doing, which I took a lot of pictures of, which is why I'm working on it, is letters sent to the police in the aftermath of the shooting. Right. Like, one of the things was, like, some inquiry. About- yeah, about the, the, it was from a marksman's club or something along those lines, like, about, like, trying to debate, they were debating, like, how far was he shooting? Right. Um, yeah, it sounded like someone needed to win a bet. Yeah, and so they wrote to the chief of police in Austin saying, like, could you tell me, like, what was the distance of the furthest person killed and the furthest person wounded? How high was he? Like, so they could do the math and figure out how far he was shooting. Yeah. Uh, which is which is fascinating to me. Like, There's a lot there. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's kind of interesting and quirky that you got the, these, like, enthusiasts who were... Mm-hmm just like looking for information to like win bets or whatever yeah or ner- nerd out about it but then you're are they like nerding out about a mass killing yeah which is weird and creepy yeah well and so some of the other letters that i took pictures of like one of them um is so there's there's i think two or there's three others that i've that i've used now i think that may be all the ones i want to use from what i have uh one of them was a guy who sent a very short letter he said you know i collect bullets I would love to have one of each of the calibers of the types of guns he was shooting. Could you send those to me? I'd be willing to pay up to five dollars for all of them. <laughs> um, I did. I did the conversion math on online tracker. That was about thirty-seven dollars in today's money. All right. Um, so that was one. No response generated. No, no, no recorded response on that one. Unlike the 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 shoot the the marksman club one. Like the chief of police responded. Right. And gave them the information, which is the other half of that that makes me go like, what? Right. Like, shouldn't... Like, what? Like, what's the... Why? What's... Yeah. Like, you're the chief of police. You must get, like, tons of inquiries about tons of stuff. Don't you just ignore random useless things? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was the one asking about getting some bullets. Uh, there was another one asking for handwriting samples of Charles Whitman because they were part of the handwriting club which was a, a group of people who studied like handwriting they wanted to see handwriting from unusual weirdos 
Sure. Um, so they could study it and learn more about handwriting analysis, which I think has become a debunked science. Like I've, I, like we don't use handwriting analysis anymore as far as I know. Oh, we don't? I, I never see it on cop shows. Oh, I thought you... Well, I, from watching cop shows a long time ago, I thought you could at least match handwriting like that's well that's, that's well it used to be like you'd use it to see like what a person's personality is and who they were from like their handwriting oh yeah see that sounds fake yeah but uh, it's like is was this letter written by kevin based on this letter i we think know you can was do that still kevin? yeah okay but like the like what kind of person is this person based on the way they write their r's right their r is angular instead of curvy so it they're a mass murderer s- ma- yeah yeah um, so that one was a really fascinating one. And then one that I thought was really fascinating was um, it was written in like felt tip pen or like marker. First of all, it was handwritten. The others were all typed. And it was asking, like, it was like, hey, I want to commend the two officers that, you know, shot him. But I was wondering why they couldn't use a soporific or tranquilizer dart like big game hunters do to bring him down. Hmm. Um, and then like the last line was dead ducks don't confess. <laughs> true and and it's and, it, that, and that's the letter that exists and that was sent the day of the shooting hmm like but the postmark on it is august 1st 1996 or 1966 interesting yeah hmm. so like they heard it on the radio and wrote a letter and wrote a letter immediately and that's another thing that was really fascinating is like how close all of these were to, to the actual shooting these letters were coming in like they were immediate like responses. Like it was the first thing on their mind. Right. Well, it's not like like when a shooting happens nowadays, everyone gets on Facebook and Twitter and talks about yeah. it and gives their thoughts and responses and arguments and whatnot. But that's true. I mean, I wouldn't like if something like that happened today, I wouldn't think like, oh my God, I got a lot of things to say about this. Let me get my <laughs> pen and paper out and write a letter yeah. because I have faster, more immediate things available to me. But when yeah. pen and paper is the fastest, most immediate thing available, you fire off a letter that yeah. same day. Oh yeah. There's a newspaper story that I have the details on, which is a, it's a it's fake news, um, but it's a, it's a real, it's a news story that was printed. That's a, apparently about a guy who claims that he got fired for trying to help people in the shooting mm-hmm. um, because, you know, his boss said, no, come inside. You have to work. And he's like, no, I'm going to go help people. And so he got fired. And then there was a follow up. Like nobody could find any evidence that actually happened. <laughs> that's. Huh. That's yeah. I mean, it's interesting. And there's, there's, these are the stories I want to tell with like a, a piece about the tower shooting is these right. sorts of like, I don't, I don't care about Charles Whitman at all. Like I don't need, I don't need his story. Well, enough people yeah. have cared about Charles Whitman. Yeah. I want to, I want to hear the stories around this event and right. how people deal with it and what do they talk about and how do we, how do we process? Hmm. So when, so is everything you're writing like day to day still working on this or I've kind of hit a stopping point on that. So some of it's just been random writing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wrote the opening scene of that 10 factorial play. Really? Yeah. But I have nowhere to go with it yet. So you get any like further concept. No, I mean the the concept is pretty solid. Like I know what I want to do, but I don't know what it's about. Yeah. And so I, I I'm still at the structure, no story problem. So that's that's a thing I got to figure out. That's going to be a tough. Nuts Absolutely, crack. but I have to work on it to figure it out. Yeah. So, 
just uh, you know saying I'm going to write it isn't going to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, you just got to start writing it. Yeah. Um. Well, it's good that like you're still doing it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm getting up every morning, writing. I had a couple. Uh, I had a couple like setbacks. Yeah. I there was a couple. I did an overnight for work, mm-hmm. and I had a couple like late nights where I like didn't get enough sleep, oh. and so there was a there was a couple days where my alarm went off at six in the morning, and I was just like, uh, uh-uh, uh, not getting up. not gonna happen. And then I like spir- like I did this like little mini spiral into like laziness where yeah. I like, hey, you know what? Pfft, I didn't wake up on time today. Like I only gave myself twenty minutes to get ready for work, so. Eh, these dishes can sit on the counter, right? And then like, ah, there's already dishes on the counter, so like, I'm just gonna leave my clothes in the dryer. And then, oh, there's this mess here, so who cares if there's another mess there? Like, it's very I, unlike you. Like, I'll vacuum. You know, like I can vacuum and I can vacuum tomorrow. Yeah. But every day I wake up and I'm like, nope, today's the day I get back on track and okay. I wake up on time and I clean up the mess that I left from the day before and my life is back to normal. Good. But I went through a like cup, like like three days of like promising myself to do that yeah. and not doing it mm. which is like as spiraling out of control my <laughs> life can ever be is oh my god there's some clothes on my floor and, yeah, a, and some dishes and in the a sink plate on the counter yeah yeah it's, it's just awful but part part of that yeah. of not following through on my commitments is i didn't pick my notebook up and write those yeah. mornings because yeah. i wasn't giving myself the time yeah. or the care there you go so well, get I'm, back on it i'm back at it i'm gonna call your mom <laughs> my mom listened to us talking about that and was like hey i'll take five bucks from yeah. you want to give it to me <laughs> sounds like you owe your mom 15 bucks yeah i think i i listen i owe my mom a lot more than 15 <laughs> don't we all yeah uh moms are great moms are great my mom also listens to this show <laughs> <laughs> hi moms hi moms we love you yay um speaking of moms my mocha pot's great yeah you're loving it yeah Apparently you don't drink the whole thing straight like I do. No, that's a really bad idea. Yeah. It's a really absolutely really terrible idea. I wish somebody had told me that. I um I'm still like I feel like I'm increasing my coffee consumption. Like I'm yeah. like almost on purpose. Like I'm trying to like I like coffee, so mm-hmm. I want to you drink, drink it. more coffee. But my caffeine uh sensitivity is not changing. Yeah, it's not you're not feeling more energetic or no. more awake. Well, no, like I I have one cup of coffee and I feel like I'm going to die. Oh, <laughs> to the other side, the other problem. Yeah. Like Cause I drink caffeine constantly and I feel like it doesn't matter anymore. So like I'm going from like almost never having caffeine to yeah. like maybe having a little bit of caffeine every day or every other day. Yeah. And nope. Like a cup of coffee still hits me hard. Right, Cause I, I drink like not good for me, but I drink diet Dr. Pepper all day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Dr. Pepper's pretty good. It is. And we have it in the fountain at work. It's the good stuff. And so I can just go get my glass and I have one glass to grab it in the morning. Yep. Use it until I go home at the end of the day and I put it in the bucket. Yep. Uh, yeah, I drink a lot. And and I'm thinking about it now. Mm-hmm. And on Saturday this week, I took a, like a three-hour nap mm. unintentionally. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering if it's because I wasn't drinking Dr. Pepper all day. Oh. Now that I'm thinking about it. And so your body was like, where's my energy? Because <laughs> uh, Amy was out of the house all day because she was going to a, a writing, intensive writing boot camp mm-hmm. where they sit in the library and write in silence all day. 
It sounds very intense. It's it's very academic. <laughs> it's, it's like I've got to finish this paper by tomorrow. I'm going to sit in this room for eight hours and write nonstop. Wait, is this the paper? Well, no, her dissertation, yes, but she's not quite finished with it. But she's oh, very close. Okay, she's probably going to defend in April, end of April. Very close. Yeah, very close. Wow, she's got to organize her committee enough to pick a date. <laughs> yeah, very close. But she was out of the house all day, um, and I was at home with the cat. And I went and had lunch, and I had a Dr. Pepper with lunch. But then I came home, and like one or two o'clock, like I laid down to read, and like I woke up when Amy got home. Mm. Like you, you just accidentally fell asleep yeah. while reading. Yeah. Oh, that's not. Do you like to nap? Not particularly. Napping is. A, I know you hate it. And like part of this spiral of this yeah. spiral of mine included an accidental nap one of the days. And you just wake up just filled with rage. <laughs> it's just a terrible experience. So restful. Yeah. Oh, it's the opposite of restful. Like apparently, do you know there's people who can just like sit down and take a 15 minute nap and wake up and they feel rejuvenated and they feel more I mean, awake? I've never tried, but I have trouble falling asleep in 15 minutes, let alone falling asleep and then waking back up. This is like one of the m- things that I feel like... My father should have imparted to me like fatherly <laughs> knowledge, like pass yeah, on. You should know this about people. His things to his son, and nope, because my dad can just like anytime, anywhere, yeah. just sit down, sleep for fifteen minutes, and wake up, get back up, and be fine. Yeah, usually fine nap. It's for an hour or two. Yeah, like I did it for three hours. Yeah, like I came home from work and I just laid down and accidentally passed out and mm-hmm. woke up like with my cl- all my clothes oh, yeah. on. I was fully dressed as well. Like yeah. I'm comfortably sweaty <laughs> and like. Just yeah, like hot and gross and matted and yeah. just really, really upset. So you get for sleeping. Ugh, I hate bodies. Yeah, I wish bodies didn't need to. It's the singularity and upload our brains to computers. Can't wait. Yeah, as long as I drink enough blood and from you know starting now and until, until the computers happens, come. Yeah, gotta gotta keep that blood coming to get me to the singularity. Yeah, you should start watching. I know I said this before. A person of interest. Was there a lot of blood in that? No, but there are smart computers. It's the singularity part. Yeah. I want a show that's about drinking blood and waiting for the singularity. Uh, Vampire Diaries? Is that what... Um, This was going to be a lot funnier if I could remember the name of the popular zombie show. Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Is that yeah. what Walking Dead's about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's what it's about. I'll fix that in post. Thanks. <laughs> uh, the hell is post? That's a it's a riff tracks reference. Oh, uh, there, have you seen the movie Birdemic? No, uh, it's bad. Is it like the birds? But bad? it's like someone who made the birds but didn't know how to make movies. <laughs> um, I'm gonna find you a quick clip. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So that's Birdemic. But my favorite joke on the Birdemic riff tracks. Uh, is in that scene, and they they say we can fix this in post, right? And the other one goes, "What the hell is post?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was really bad. Yeah. Have you watched that movie multiple times? The whole thing. Yeah. All, like with riff tracks. Oh, okay, you haven't just watched it. No. See, the thing about doing riff tracks, yeah, is that you. What you have to watch it ahead of time, right? No, no, no. 
Well, like like the the riff tracks performers. Yes, they have to watch it ahead of time. Right. Yeah, that's multiple that's times. <laughs> they watch it ahead of time so that they can like know what's happening and prepare funny and, things. Well, to they say. they write scripts. They, 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 yeah, they 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 straight up write it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like that just sounds miserable. <laughs> right. Like the end result's great because you have this really funny thing. Yeah. That you get to enjoy. Yeah. But they just have to watch Birdemic a couple times. Uh, they said on average it's about eight times per film. Um, well, they don't watch it like all in a row. They watch oh. it in like 10 minute chunks. They'll like rewind and watch over and over again sure. to like write out jokes for each part. Man. And they split it up. So they don't like, like they will take a portion and write a portion. And then they've got a couple other. So there's the three main guys, Mike, Kevin, and Bill. And there's all, they've also got two or three writers that also work on the stuff with them, but don't perform, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of how they did it for MST3K when that was a thing. Mm. Um, and Mike Nelson was the first head writer for MST3K and he's now runs Rift Tracks. Nice. Um, and he was the head writer because he got to control the remote in the writer's room. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like 19 when they got the when he got the job. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> control the remote. Yeah. yeah. Although they are making more MST3K, I've uh, heard, and it's coming out April 14th, and I'm very excited on Netflix. Right? On Netflix. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a very Netflix thing to do. Yeah. I'm glad they well, they, they kickstarted it, so I am responsible for it coming back. Look at you. Yeah, and I will have access to all of the episodes before anyone else. Oh, aren't you special? Yeah. I paid for the privilege. I'm sure you are enormously excited about that. I am, except yeah. I don't know that I'm going to get a chance to watch them before they come out on Netflix. Right. Because I'm going to have them like three days before. But you could. And but that's I could. What, and that's what matters. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing about the scene from Birdemic. Birdemic, shock, Birdemic shock and Terror. Shock and... That's its full name. Those are two qualities that were <laughs> delivered to me through that scene. So it worked. It's perfect. Um, my favorite part was... The couple A yeah. goes into the motel room yeah. and they introduce themselves yeah, to like, couple hey, B. Yeah, like, hey, I'm Rod. This is Jessica or whatever the names are. Right. Like, Natalie. Yeah, like, Natalie. Hey, this is my name and this is her name. Nice to meet you. This is my name and this is her name. Like, yeah. Which in a panic scenario might not happen, but like in real life is a thing that happens. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, here's these people. Like, we're together. We're doing a thing together now. Let's introduce ourselves and yeah. get to know each other's names. Like, you would do that. Mm -hmm. But it, despite how poorly it was shot, like that doesn't happen in movies. It doesn't like I didn't, I just realized that like <laughs> movies don't have scenes where characters walk up to each other and go, hi, my name is Jesse. Yeah. And hi, my name is Kevin. Like, nice to meet you. Like, yeah. because that does, that doesn't need to happen. It's horrible <laughs> filmmaking. Yes. It's, I never realized how terrible it is to watch that happen because I don't think I've ever watched that happen on a screen because you like introduce characters in interesting ways. Yeah. That hopefully tell stories and illuminate their characteristics. <laughs> don't just say their names. Don't just say, hi, my name is Kevin. Nice to meet you. Hi, my name is Jesse. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. The, the, the dialogue in that film is terrible. The acting is terrible. There wasn't a single thing that wasn't terrible. Yeah. Um, the special effects, the crossfades, the, the <laughs> that half second shot surrounded by two very awkward crossfades. <laughs> I would have loved to see a circle wipe. Yeah, that would be cool. The the birds, man, those birds. Yeah, those birds were <laughs> definitely statically floating on screen. Yeah. Do you that, think? Hmm? The per do you think the person who made that is proud of it? 
that this is a movie that is like widely known to be a horrible movie yeah and people so it's it's really interesting um i think to a certain extent yes uh and the reason i think that is because he's made two other movies and has agreed to allow both of them be premiered on net on uh, riff tracks okay so is he trying to make riff tracksable things? No, I don't think he is, but I think he is willing to accept the revenue streams. Gotcha. Okay, so has a realism about his work. Yeah. Um, because I don't know the guy's name. Tell me why so. Who made The Room? Yeah. God, you're good. <laughs> um, I he, live like, in your head. He, he was trying to make a masterpiece. Yes. Like he was trying to make something truly great. Absolutely. And it's bad. Yes. But that doesn't. That seems like a different thing from Birdemic. Well, no. So I think I would argue, and this is this is true for all, I think truly great bad films, is they are trying to make a masterpiece. Like Birdemic is meant to be evocative of Hitchcock. I can tell. Yeah, there's the birds, birds. in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like it's the way he shots it. But it, so it's the best terrible films are made incredibly earnestly. And are absolute failures. Right. Uh, Birdemic, uh, the other works of James Wynn, who directed Birdemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manos, Hands of Fate. And very earnest, absolutely terrible. The Room, very earnest, absolutely right. terrible. Plan 9 from Outer Space, a classic terrible film. Very earnest. Ed Wood believed in what he was doing. Hmm. When people try and make things that are bad, it is much harder, A, to do successfully... And B, to be as funny and to be as good at being a terrible bad film because you know they're trying to make it bad. Right. Right, because it's all about, like a joke is the expectation and then reality. Yeah. And if if you're genuinely and sincerely trying for greatness. And you miss the mark so, so far. Just 100% miss the mark. Yeah. That's how you make the best joke. Yeah. How would you feel if you created something that was actually a horrible piece of garbage that you tried very hard on? I probably would feel bad about it, but I also think I would be self-aware enough to admit it. Yeah? Yeah. But wouldn't... But how can you be self-aware enough to admit it if you're not self-aware enough to realize it while you're making it? Oh, well, that's... I think I would probably realize it while I was making it. Hmm. If that makes sense. And then continue making it? There's certainly a point of no return on certain projects. True. Hmm. You know, James Wynn could have gotten into the editing bay and seen his footage and go, well, got to make something out of this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But he could also just have been delusional enough to believe what he was making. I mean, there is, there is, uh, Taste is not an inherent quality. And being able to figure out why things work and why things don't work is not an inherent quality. A lot of people can enjoy a thing and say, I like this thing. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a good thing. A lot of people can see a different thing and say, I know this is a bad thing. But being able to articulate why it is one or the other is very difficult. And I think you have to be able to do that to a certain extent to make things successfully. Right. You have to be able to understand why is this working? Why is this not working? Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Cause like I can, 
like I, I I listen to music and I enjoy music. Yeah. And I can tell you if I like a song or if I don't like a song. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit if I think a song is a good song or a bad song. Mm-hmm. But I don't know enough about how music is made to tell you why a song is a good song or a yeah. bad song. Which means I would be very bad at making my own music. Mm-hmm. Even if I like, like, let's pretend I knew music theory and knew yeah. how to write music. But like, mm-hmm. I couldn't produce a song because I could not tell you why songs i like are good songs yeah so and that's and that's the thing and like there are definitely people who music is a great example understand music theory and can say like oh this is a really good song for reason xyz this is what works this is how it works mm-hmm. i can do that with theater i can do it with tv in a lot of ways i can do it with movies i can't do it all with music um right. like but you can still like music yeah i like music i don't understand what a chord progression is <laughs> Like, just straight up. Like, I think I know what those words mean. Like, I know progression. That's a word. I know what chords are. Right. But, like, there's um, there's a pretty famous YouTube video uh, called, like, Four Chords. Mm-hmm. And it's this band who are basically showing that, like, all of these songs are built off these same four chords in the same order. Yeah. Um, and I listen to that, and I go, yeah, okay. I, I like as, as you're showing me these exact examples, like right. yes, this followed by this, followed, like it just like it. Okay, yeah, those are all sound the same, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like, if you were to play song A and song B and say, do these have the same chord progression? I would say, oh, <laughs> beats me. Uh, maybe yeah. they sound different, right? Uh, and like, I have, I think part of this comes with my like slight tone deafness, but like, I have really trouble, like hearing that songs sound the same or sound different Mm. in certain cases. Yeah. Uh, For example, um, you know, Lady Gaga's Born This Way. Yes. Great song. Big dance hit. Mm -hmm. Do you know that she was accused of ripping off Madonna with that song? I have not heard this. Uh, She was, when it came out, she was accused of of ripping off Madonna's Express Yourself. I don't think I know that song. It's it's a good song. It's from the 80s. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, peak Madonna. And... Uh, they have arguably similar themes. Um, but like when I played them next to each other, I'm like, those don't sound, those are different songs. But people think they sound the same? People do. And I tricked my brain into hearing it once. <laughs> um, purely by accident, around the time that aim, that this, that uh, Born This Way came out, and I was listening to it because I'm a Lady Gaga fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy was working on a paper about a Madonna concert film. Interesting. Um, And so she would be watching these clips from this concert film. And she was like on the other side of the apartment watching this clip and Express Yourself came on. And I wasn't really paying attention. And when I wasn't paying attention to it, I thought it was born this way. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And so I was like, and because I said like, "Oh, are you listening to Lady Gaga?" And she's like, "No, this is Madonna." And I was like, "Oh, it, I did okay, it. <laughs> I did it." Yeah, but ninety percent of the time, I have no idea what people are talking about when they say these songs sound the same. Hmm. Or you know, someone got really mad because uh, "Let It Go" in Frozen has that same like standard four chord progression. Right. I think it's like one four six five or something. I don't know what those numbers mean even because I don't understand music. <laughs> right. But like that same standardized four chord like pop ballad song. Yeah. Which it probably does. And that works at a certain level of my brain, but not at any deeper levels that I understand what is going on. Hmm. But so you have that deeper level with stuff like 
writing. Yeah. So I think if I was to write a song, I wouldn't know it was bad. I could write a song that I thought was good and I could mean it very earnestly because I like music. Right. And so I could write something that I like. Oh, uh, okay. This makes this is all making sense now. Because I was trying to understand how someone like Birdemic Director yeah. could even want... Like, if he wants to make a movie mm-hmm. as an homage to Hitchcock's The Birds mm-hmm. so badly, he must be a fan of film yeah. and enjoy and appreciate film. So how can he not... Like, if he likes film yeah. and movies so much, how can he not see that he's making something terrible? But your music example... That, yeah, that helps me understand. Like, you love music. Music's yeah. great, but you don't understand it anywhere nearly enough to be able to make your own good music. Yeah. I could not make good music. I mean, by accident, you could. I could stumble into okay music at best. Right. I could be the Kevin Smith of music. <laughs> so Bird- I say that I love Kevin Smith. Yeah. But- so, like, Birdemic Guy loves Hitchcock, yeah. loves film, and tries to make his own movie, but just has no understanding of it. And has made multiple movies. That are all terrible. Mm-hmm. That's so sad. <laughs> I mean, he's making money at it. It worked out for him. Yeah, yeah. It's like Jim Carrey. He's also like wealthy through I mean, other Adam, means. I meant Adam Sandler. I know you did. It's okay. <laughs> Jim Carrey has also made Adam Sandler-ish type stuff, but he... Yeah. He's been making a lot less lately, which I think is good for him. Yeah, he like <laughs> developed his own separate thing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so uh, we should we didn't really get together to watch some watch some riff tracks. I would like that. Yeah, I haven't really seen much of it. I mean, I could I could pick out some like I mean the the greats are Birdemic, The Room, Twilight. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it good to do it with something you've never seen before or they're, something that you have? They're both good. Yeah, have you seen Twilight? I have seen Twilight. Yeah, it's better with riff tracks. I it's. Better with literally anything in combination with it. Yeah, you could put those birds from Birdemic on top of everything, and it would be a it better. It would be film. better. Yeah, <laughs> I I watched. I still have an unfinished bet payment. Yeah, to watch all the Twilight movies to my ex-wife to finish watching the <laughs> Twilight movies, which I'm not going to fulfill. I I mean I have the riff tracks for all of them. I should have put that in like the divorce papers. <laughs> That like this bet is now is, is now null and void because we're no longer married. Yeah, I feel like that would hold up in court, right? Yeah, I don't like see if why it not. was challenged now. If she decided to force me to watch Twilight, oh, that's tough. I mean, so the problem, first of all, is you've admitted to the bet here on air, Shit. Uh, and this and out. this is live. This is recorded <laughs> and broadcast live, so there's no way we can go back and hide that fact. Yep, and. So that's that's your first problem because you've admitted the existence of it. Mm-hmm. If you could pretend not to remember it, that would be one thing. What are we talking about? Uh, the bet you made with your wife <laughs> to watch all of Twilight. <laughs> I got to know what did you lose? Like what did you bet on and lose to watch all of Twilight? Um, we are not football fans at all, but we picked opposite teams for the Super Bowl for fun one year. Okay, and just I I don't remember who was playing or which yeah, Super but Bowl you lost. It was, but I lost. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't even remember what the opposite payment was going to be. Yeah, that was my next question. 
but mine was watch the twilight series yeah is she a fan of the twilights not really okay like she i don't even think she'd read the books yeah uh but she watched the movies and was like huh these are dumb and silly and fun but like likes them a little bit yeah amy liked the books i mean she read them and they they were you know enjoyable popcorn um but she like she just she wanted me to suffer yeah that explains a lot about your marriage <laughs> I, mm. I I I don't mean to cast aspersions on no. your failed marriage. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, but I watched the first two, and boy, did I suffer. Yeah, they're very bad. Yeah, they're not good. I would enjoy a riff tracks of Twilight, though. Yeah, they're good because that's all I did. Is I yeah. much to her uh, disappointment. Yeah, uh, I just sat Crack there jokes and the whole time, just ruined those movies. Yeah, and made it a very unpleasant experience they're, to yeah, watch. Yeah, we should we should watch riff tracks. I'll watch the Twilight one. Yeah. Because I don't like I, you show me that scene from Birdemic. I don't even know if I want to watch <laughs> more Birdemic, even if it's a Rift Tracks one. Yeah. I think they've got the app for it. I think I think Twilight is in the Rift Tracks app. Do you have to like pay a subscription or something to have access to it? Or? Not to the app, no. Uh, but you, you buy the MP3 that is the Rift Track. Oh, I understand. So, but one of the things they did that was really cool is they created an app. So normally you would have the MP3 and you'd have it on your iPod because this was in the past and you would start the movie and there was instructions on the riff tracks and you'd play the riff tracks and they'd say, welcome to riff tracks. This is, this is the riff tracks for twilight. Mm -hmm. We're going to start. We're going to, we're going to tell you, we're going to count down and say pause when this happens on the screen. Use it when like a production logo leaves the screen, hit play again on this and it will continue playing and it will be in sync. If it gets out of sync, pause the movie or the, Riff tracks to let it sync back up. Um, but what they've done is this in the last year or so, they've made a app that listens, uses the microphone on your thing to listen and figure out where they are and just play it synced up. Nice. So I've got, you know, Birdemic, I've got Batman and Robin, Battlefield Earth. Is um, the audio just coming out of your phone? Yeah, but you can hook it up to headphones or a speaker. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, That's really clever. Yeah, I've got most of the Harry Potters. Um, I think I've got Twilight. I've got uh, Roadhouse. That's a great film. And this is on your information phone? Yes, my information internet phone. Nice. Pretty yeah, cool. Twilight. So if I just tapped this, um, I, I'd have to download it. But um, I would And then yeah, I would hit the button and it would listen to Twilight. Twilight wherever and... Yeah. Which is a really awesome way to watch movies. Yeah. <laughs> Do they do, do you do riff tracks for like good things? Rarely. Um, so there's, there's kind of two things going on with riff tracks, which is they have to, for their MP3 commentaries, they have to pick stuff people have access to because right. they're not selling the thing itself. Right. Um, so they typically pick a lot of blockbusters. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be a new Star Wars Force Awakens one. If I think it may be out already. Okay. Um, so that's a good movie. Right. Yeah. That's, that's like exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people like that movie and, and have even, access to it. And yeah. even though it's good and people love it, like yeah. you can still have a really great time cracking yeah. jokes. Well, at they've it. also they've also riffed every other Star Wars film. Yeah. So there's there's a ton of running jokes if you watch all of them. Yeah. Uh, lots of jokes about pod racing. <laughs> um, so things like that, and the, and those are very funny. Uh, so they've done they did Casablanca more as a proof of concept. Hmm. To say we can do this to see if you can riff one of the greatest movies of yeah. all time, yeah. Um, which I haven't watched it, but um, but they've had a lot more success in recent years 
going back to sort of the MST3K model, which is getting low budget unknown films and riffing those. Right. Uh, because they can usually buy the rights to release the video and, and commentary as a single file. Hmm. So if I downloaded, for example, Wonder Woman, I can just stream that record from their website and download it as an MP4 and play it no syncing required. And it's, yeah, it's mixed together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's sort of that balance there. And they still put out the MP3s, but they're, they make, I think, less money on those. They sell fewer of them. Right. Uh, and then they also do these live shows, which is a lot of fun. Um, right. That kind of seems to be the ultimate experience. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, Rift Tracks has been around for over 10 years now. Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 ended in 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, and not long after Rift Tracks started, uh, everybody who was on MST3K that was not a part of Rift Tracks started a project called Cinematic Titanic. Okay. Um, which was basically the same thing. Uh, it was movie riffing. Yeah. Uh, and they did those, they did, they did, you know, four or five DVDs. Um, they did the silhouettes. So they had people like standing in front of it and, you know, whatever. Um, and riffing on bad movies. Um, but they had a ton of success doing live tours. And so the five of them would go to a city and go to a theater mm-hmm. and you'd buy a ticket to go see the riff of a movie that they had. Right. Um, and they did really long tours of that for a while. And, now they're doing more MST3K. Joel, the head of that, is doing those. But two of the guys that were that are not part of the new MST3K and are not on riff tracks are now doing a tour of just the two of them doing movie riffs. Hmm. So, so they're all they're all doing that. They're all connected. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And and basically for a while, I mean, man, if you want to get into your misty history. Um, there were two different hosts boy do I if, yeah I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> so one of the first major flame wars of the internet was about who was a better host Joel or Mike Joel was the original host Mike was Mike Nelson who was originally the head writer and replaced Joel when he left the series mm-hmm. uh, and like this was like Kirk v. Picard level flame wars yikes uh, and everybody has since gotten a lot cooler about it all. But like back in the day, like it was considered a major. Like people major had actual thing. strong feelings about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. I still do. And do you get upset with people who have different opinions about it? No. But I like, I it's it's now become like, I like Mike more. It's cool if you don't. That's fine. Right. He was also the one I saw the more of. Like I, I saw him more as a kid because that was what was on when they were coming out because right. I watched it later. That's usually what it is. But when Rift Tracks and Cinematic Titanic were going simultaneously, they were headed, like Mike created Rift Tracks and Joel created Cinematic Titanic. Right. And people were very worried that this was going to start up again. And there's always been sort of that thing in the background. And when this new MST3K came out, Joel was running it. And like Mike specifically said, like, we weren't asked to be a part of it. Ooh, really? Yeah, that's true. and like didn't and like they've they've kind of made peace and they've been nice to each other since then. But it was like, yeah, it's not us. That's dramatic. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So it's it's kind of this weird like thing. I don't know the like what's going on politics wise in the background, but hmm. in my case, in my mind, it's just hey, more movies to watch, more movies getting riffed. Yeah, like they're all good. Yeah. So they're all funny. Yeah. Yeah. I hope this new guy's funny. Well, we'll see. Because it's uh, Jonah Ray. 
Who is that? Uh, he's from The Nerdist, uh, the podcast. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. where he kind of got famous. Yeah. And he's funny. He's probably funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of politics. <laughs> Hard curve. Did you, did you read about Steve Bannon's murder mansion? No. <laughs> is this a like new Disney ride I should be afraid of? <laughs> yes, you should be very afraid of it. So, Steve Bannon. Yeah. Wait, is Steve Bannon the evil uh like overlord of our future train? Probably. Cool. He uh he's a bad dude, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh there was this weird controversy that the Washington Post want like did some research on to try to figure out about where Steve Bannon lives. I kind of remember this. Like people like he he claims residency in like three different places. Right. And it's very complicated and he has a bunch of like like he's been married a couple times and has yeah. a bunch of ex-wives and so it's like spread out like different homes here yeah, and there. Yeah. Very very weird. But I guess the situation was like he had a house in Florida and mm-hmm. he claimed residency there. I remember this. Presumably because presumab- yeah. there's no income tax. Yeah. But he like actually lived in like his office in New York or something. Yeah. Um, and I guess like someone like went to his house or maybe like like the police went to his residence in yeah. Florida, like his like big giant mansion because yeah. he's a rich dude. Cause like someone like called the police about something and like it's a murder mansion. You've used this phrase twice and I need more details. So like it has a lot of the qualities that I would just like imagine inside of a murder mansion. For example, <laughs> um, like it's empty and no one lives there. Okay. Okay. Um, it's really big. Yeah. A lot of the doors have been retrofitted with padlocks on the inside. That's weird. It's very weird. A lot of the doors in the doorways have been removed. Also weird. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think of other things before I <laughs> give you the kicker. Oh. <laughs> um, I'll just give you the kicker. Was someone being murdered there? <laughs> His jacuzzi was full of acid that's weird (laughs) some sort of like naturally occurring acid i don't think so (laughs) um confused i think steve like i'm gonna say the word allegedly now so that i can't be sued for whatever you can be sued for for saying that someone did something they maybe didn't do uh Steve Bannon breaking batted a body in his jacuzzi. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. That's I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm concerned and confused. And I think that's uh just the funniest, craziest thing in the world. It's it's out there. Do you remember when like like bat the bad guys in the world were like just bad guys. <laughs> like, it was like, oh no. Like George Bush wants to fight a war. Yeah. But he's like just a guy yeah, and- who's trying to be president 
and just has the some bad opinions about stuff and sure. wants to fight a war. And now we have like acid bath murder mansion, Steve Bannon Nazi guy. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> so I don't like this. Weird. Maybe his acid bath is why his face looks like that. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he's, he was going for to try and be the new Joker. Oh, wasn't that Two-Face? Well, so Two-Face did get acid on him, but the Joker also fell into a vat of chemicals oh. that permanently bleached his skin white in various interpretations. Like, obviously, that didn't happen to the Joker Heath Ledger, mm. but uh, I'm pretty sure that it was the one for, like, um, Suicide Squad Joker. Mm. I, Jared that movie Leto. I definitely saw. Yeah. It won an Oscar. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so did... Um, no, I don't think it won. It was nominated for an Oscar. No, Suicide Squad no, won. No, no, no. I know, but I just want to really hammer that home. <laughs> Oscar winner Suicide Squad. I, that's how it has to be referred to from yeah. now on. Um, it was nominated. Oscar nominated film Norbit. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, for what? I think it was makeup. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, like, that's kind of the movie's whole deal. Yeah. Is the makeup. That and the, the racism. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's no Oscar for that, though. No, they don't give you an Oscar for racism. Uh, this joke would have worked so much better if Moonlight won. <laughs> I was going to say, no, they call Moonlight that best won. picture. Oh, yeah, if Moonlight hadn't won. If Moonlight had won. Yeah. They call that best picture. Never mind, you guys won. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh man, yeah. Norbit was. I've not seen it, but I've I know enough about it to know that there was some real racist portrayals of Asian people. I'm sure by like I think it was Eddie Murphy. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Like in Yellowface. Oh, good. Yeah. Should Apple make a Yellowface iPhone too? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Iron Fist is terrible. So I've heard. Yeah, I'm. I'm not bothering with it. Were you even going to before you heard it was terrible? I was going to give it the benefit of the doubt. There have yeah. been good Iron Fist stories in the comics. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's not what would have. Yeah. That wouldn't have even come into my calculus at all for deciding. Well, I would have watched it because the Defenders is coming, and I feel like I wanted to have a complete experience before the Defenders. Yeah, because I'm really hoping they make Claire Temple a full fledged member of the Defenders. Which one's that? Uh, she's played by Rosario Dawson, the nurse, because mm. she's my favorite character. She might be the best character in the Marvel universe. Yeah, I'm the, comfortable the with TV that. The TV and cinematic universe yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. She's my fave. I like her a lot. I also love Rosario Dawson, like as an actress. Right. She's kind of amazing. The best. Yeah. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm still so sad. We do not live in the world where they were able to let her be in Kevin Smith's Zack and Miri make a porno. Why couldn't she be in it? scheduling or something uh scheduling oh, it wasn't oh. like you know but that he wrote the part for her she was supposed to be the lead yeah oh. um and instead they got elizabeth banks who was fine yeah she's all right um but man that would have been a great rosario dawson role yeah um i'm not surprised iron fist is apparently bad um i because who are the the defenders you got jessica jones jessica jones daredevil luke, luke cage, cage and Iron Fist. So Jessica Jones, fantastic. Yeah, great season show. One all around. Love season one. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil. I liked season one. Season two, not as great. Didn't do it for yeah. me. Uh, Luke Cage had a really bad first season. 
See, I liked Luke Cage. I really didn't like. Luke I haven't Cage. finished it, but I'm I'm enjoying it. It's it's. Here's what I think. I think Luke Cage knows what it's doing. Like Luke Cage is is trying to accomplish something. You think so? Yeah. Because it just felt like a 13 hour long movie. Yeah, which is not good for a movie, but. Right. Yeah. Like it's not. And it's, I haven't finished it, which is really which bad is, for a TV show. It's telling that I haven't finished it. Yeah. Like there's no episodes yeah. in Luke Cage, which is a problem. Yeah. Um. So when I knew I, when I saw that Iron Fist was coming out, I was like, I'm gonna wait until people tell me this is amazing. Yeah. Before I consider it. They did not tell you that. No one's told me that. No one has said that. Yeah. So I don't care. I don't care about Iron yeah. Fist. I do want to watch the Defenders, but I also realized that they'll tell me anything I need to know in the Defenders. Yeah. Like on that show, they'll tell me it's cool. Right. Yeah. Like this is Iron Fist. Cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you don't. That and that's how Marvel does its stuff. Is you yeah. don't need to have watched anything previously to enjoy yeah. the basics of the current thing. But like I'll, I probably won't watch any more Daredevil. Definitely won't watch more Luke Cage or more Iron Fist unless someone tells me they're amazing. Yeah. But I am gonna watch the hell out of season two. Oh, of absolutely. Because I'm very, I loved season one. Yeah. It was yeah. it was the best of them. It's like the best Marvel thing. Yeah. Probably. Well, I mean, there's still Marvel's Agents of Shields. Is that good? Sometimes. <laughs> okay. That's the best answer. I can. Like sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not it's better good. than Jessica Jones. Okay. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't think so. But sometimes it's good. Uh, that's better than uh, Birdemic. Yeah. Is uh, there like one like incredible no. shot? In no. Bird- no. No. You know, there is a lot of driving Birds. and parking. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. Like whole minutes pass of watching a car drive and then park and then, you know, see the person get out of the car and then walk up to the door. I'm trying to figure out there's something there. I'm trying to figure out what it is like. And I saw it in that scene, too. Like you watch like you watch the people get in the car, but that's also part of that, like genuine action of them mm-hmm. escaping the birds. Well, so there's there's. It's the language of film where I can show. For example, someone grabbing their car keys and then show someone arriving, you know, walking in the door of place B. And your brain fills in the rest. I know what happened. Yes. In Birdemic, he shows you every step of that process. Right. Grab the keys, open the door, lock the door. It's it's the same thing where, like, I won't know that these people have introduced each each other to themselves, introduced themselves to each other. There you go. Uh, unless I see them do that. Right. Right. That's what it is. It is. He doesn't understand that narrative language of cinema of what the audience can assume. Yeah. If you give them the right material. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like you have to watch them open every door uh-huh. and say every, and say everything. Yeah. And otherwise it won't make sense. Do you like follow the car through its whole journey? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like, otherwise you won't know what's happening. Right. Where'd the car go? It just appeared in a new place. Where'd the car come from? How? What is this car? Where did it come from? If they can teleport, why are birds a problem? Yeah. It's that level of of misunderstanding. But, like, I feel like I probably have a little bit better of an understanding of, like, how film works than this guy. Probably. But, like, I definitely understand, like, how those are the mistakes you make. Yeah. Like, you you watch the birds a hundred times because you love the birds so much, and you're like, look at this, like, the drama and the fear, and the birds are so scary, and they're hiding, and the, you know what I mean? Like, you love the whole thing, and then you go to make your own, and it's just a bunch of people getting in and out of vans. Yeah. Uh, There is a a scene where the birds, 
explode on people and they get covered in goop and it's maybe acid is it real goop like do the actors actually get goop on yes them? nice and then there's it's maybe acid and it burns some people oh like wait in real life no but like oh. they act like it's burning them oh they're acid birds yeah Nice. Um, there's a digression where they meet a hippie in a bad wig in the woods who tells them about the birch bark beetle and how it is destroying birch populations. So there's a, like a... Oh, there's definitely an environmentalist message throughout the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. That adds a whole other layer to it. Yeah. There's an agenda. Yeah. This movie's not about birds. No, it's about global warming and seals. It's about trains. Yeah. It's about future trains. It's about future trains. It's mostly about driving and parking. <laughs> um, but there is there is a, a interlude where the before the birds attack, the two main characters go on a date and they go to a, a dance club party. Cool. And there's a band and a guy singing and he sings the entire song. Oh. And you watch them dancing. Just the whole four minutes or whatever. Yeah. It's that same not understanding of narrative convenience. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so brutal. Yeah. That's so brutal. Um, I'm sensing a connection here. Okay. I feel like I need to, I want to investigate this. Is Steve Bannon building acid birds? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if you intended that, but you almost had an honest to God spit take <laughs> on this podcast. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't realize that you were drinking water until until Bannon was out of my mouth, and then I went for it because I really wanted a spit take. It almost happened. Oh, that would have been good. Thank, thank you for not spitting on my computer. You're welcome. Oh um, man, yeah, like. That could be it. He's building acid he's birds. He's building acid birds. Yeah. And he's gonna... Verdemic was a warning. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's prophetic. Yeah. Is what it is. I might go home and watch some riff tracks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I really like I really like the idea of... like Steve Bannon is an evil genius. He's evil. He's probably a pretty smart guy. He's chaotic evil. He's very chaotic evil. Um... But I like the idea that he's like so chaotic evil that he's like mad scientist chaotic evil. Yeah, building acid birds. Which would explain like he's doing wild experiments, which would explain his face. <laughs> like his face looks like he's been burned by acid. A little bit, yeah. And, and also rotting. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's an ubermensch. He's yes. The, he's the future of humanity. Yes. He has the best genes. Yeah. Um. That man, the one who looks like Steve Bannon, <laughs> is genetically superior to everybody else. All the others. Um, but yeah, I think he's building acid birds. Yeah. And I think one day when the timing's right, he's going to release his acid birds. And we will all die. It's going to be on like next election day or whatever. Yeah. There's going to be tons of protests and mm-hmm. you know everyone you won't be able to vote it's gonna be a, yeah we probably won't be able to vote um because of the acid birds <laughs> yeah, that's how they're gonna do it you thought voter suppression was bad now <laughs> wait till you see the acid birds <laughs> oh boy legislation yeah. is is only the first step yeah 
disenfranchisement of entire races and classes of people due to was, acid birds was just the beginning. <laughs> just the beginning. Acid birds is going to really. End. That's the final step. Don't you carry a pocket knife? Uh, kind of. Do you have a wait? Do you have a Leatherman? No. Do you have a Swiss I used Army to knife? carry a Leatherman. Uh, I've since lost it. I carry this. Oh, a cool like multi-tool key thingy. Well, it looks like a key. Uh, it does have a little bottle opener here, yep. which is super ineffective. <laughs> uh, but it also unfolds into a little pocket knife. Look at that! You got a little blade. Yeah, which is perfect for opening boxes and things like that. Or cans. Or cans. I I don't know if I'd use that on the can, but. My favorite thing about this uh, key knife thing, mm -hmm. TSA doesn't ever notice it. Really? Yeah, I've put it through my uh, carry-on multiple times. Oh, you're a terrorist. It looks like a key. Those acid birds are coming for you for you first. Yeah, probably. I do have a Star Trek Enterprise bottle opener. Does that one work effectively? Works okay. Yeah. I can open bottles with it. I'm fascinated that you bring knives on planes. Yeah. Well, I, I hate the TSA with... Sure. You know, the heat of a thousand, eh, 500 suns. About 500, yeah. Yeah. Which is why you uh, skip the I, I naked sensor thing? I opt out of the porno scanners, you yeah. Know? Uh, Just go to for frustrate them. Yeah, that's more so than yeah. anything else. Um, yeah, I used to carry knitting needles when I went on planes. That was always my favorite because you can bring on 10-inch metal spikes onto an airplane <laughs> as long as they've got some yarn attached. They let really, no, no, like yeah, nobody your... cared about my knitting needles. I'd put them in my backpack, they'd run right through the uh, the uh, the scanner. Oh my god, you could really hurt someone with oh, a yeah. knitting needle, you could really drive that through a oh, yeah, absolutely, neck or rib cage. Yeah, I took those all the time. I, I learned knitting partially so I could carry knitting needles. Oh my god, that's a beautiful form of protest, yeah. Um, I'm always nice to the TSA agents, I should say. I'm not I'm not an asshole to them. Sure. But, uh, yeah. Hmm. Whereas I get yelled at because my microphones look like bombs. They do. They do. They do look like bombs. Yeah. Somebody, was it, was it, um, was it Mike Birbigley that did jokes about a bomb in a suitcase in his latest special? That doesn't sound or familiar. Or about microphones in a suitcase? Maybe, maybe I, somebody. I talked about that. Well, I know you did, but I feel like I also heard the same joke on like a stand-up special. If you want to conflate the a thing I said with a Mike Birbiglia stand-up special, go right ahead. Okay. I don't. I watched. Thank God for jokes recently, and I don't. You don't remember, recall that I don't joke? Remember that? No. Must have been something else. May have been Jesse. May have been Jesse talking mm -hmm. to me on my most recent stand-up special. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the thing I always wanted to do was have a stand-up special. Really? Yeah. Have you ever? ventured into no stand-up comedy mine would be closer to like the mike birbiglia sort of uh like my girlfriend's boyfriend which is more of a storytelling experience that can be funny sometimes yeah yeah then then a real like tell a bunch of jokes but right like i wanted to be a stand-up comedian at one point in time really yeah hmm you should like you could i could see you getting there through like in your but your path would be like one man shows as like oh yeah a, no absolutely you know, like, like a drama thing and then it yeah I would I would rather do into... like I would I like after I got tired of, like was like okay stand up it made it right for me I moved into like monologists like uh, that's Spalding... the pretentious word I was yeah thinking of. I know it was <laughs> uh, like Spalding Gray uh -huh. um, sort of stuff because I I mean I love Spalding Gray yeah uh, 
swimming to Cambodia. Of course you do. Monster in a box. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? I've heard of that name, and okay. I know it's a name that pretentious people uh, like. You you knew Marv, right? Mm-hmm. Marv used to wear a Spalding Gray T-shirt, and I was like one of the only people in the world who knew what it was. <laughs> uh, Must so have made was, you feel very. It special. was a little connection we had. I yeah. felt good about it. Um. Yeah, stand-up comedy seems uh, real easy when you don't know. Yeah, like making music or movies. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> that kind of thing. But it's the kind of thing like where, for some reason, it inspires an incredible amount of confidence in people who are very bad at it. Yes, like there's not a lot of people making movies who don't know how to make movies. Mm-hmm. Like, but lots of people think they're stand-up comics. Lots of people think that they could be a stand-up comic very easily. Yeah. And it's uh, apparently super duper hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I even went as far as like writing jokes and writing bits. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, but I'm sure they were terrible. I don't remember. Well, like them. you're a, yeah. like you have a good sense of humor. You're a funny person. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure you've written things that are plenty funny. I hope so. But like even that, like that's a different skill. Doing yeah. stand-up comedy is still a different thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I um. I've read uh, this interesting thing about um chris rock okay like great legend of santa absolutely yeah um he he's like he's a really intense character Mm -hmm. on stage yes when he's performing um but when he's performing his like specials and whatnot yeah and when he's like actually touring yeah although he hasn't done a special in a long five or six years at least but when he's like working on his material yeah in public like he mm-hmm. goes and does and sits and writes jokes sets yeah. and yeah and, and performs yeah um but like he's just workshopping stuff he does it completely flat really he that's has, fascinating he has no character he has like no intonation yeah he doesn't he's, like he's testing the material right he doesn't like do th- he doesn't mess with his timing yeah or his delivery he just reads the words hmm and he sees what kind of responses he can get and then the things that the audience still laughs at, he knows are actually funny and good. And then he can work on all the stuff around the joke, like his delivery, the performative and his aspect, attitude, yeah. And yeah, to enhance it and make it great. But like, I thought that was such That's a really clever yeah. way to like really like put your writing through the gauntlet, yeah, of making sure it's actually good or not, yeah. Because I can like imagine going and watching stand up, mm-hmm. and someone just like talking like this without any characterization yeah, at all and jokes. delivering jokes yeah, and we then, call that Stephen wright <laughs> but like <laughs> but it's still hope like some of it's still being really good yeah yeah it would also be really weird to go see chris rock perform and, and have a lot deadpan. of it be bad yeah yeah <laughs> well uh mike Birbiglia is on tour right now called the, he's doing a, a tour called the working it out tour where he's got a bunch of new material. He doesn't know what's going to work, what's not. And he's just going to go try it. Yeah. And see what works and what doesn't. And yeah. work it out. But that's like that's part of how. That's part of what encourages people to think that they'd be good at stand-up comedy. Is you only see the, re- the best. <laughs> po- polished finished products. Yeah. After like a year or whatever of working on material. Yeah. But most of the time they're not there's misses there's stuff right that doesn't work telling yeah. jokes that aren't funny yeah and figuring out timing and stuff like that that's something really interesting uh there was there's been i don't know like a dozen documentaries about Tignataro in the last couple of years yeah right um i mean to be fair she had that amazing stand-up set at largo and that kind of like springboarded her career even further mm-hmm. that and the cancer that'll do it yeah uh, 
I, I feel like I can make that joke because of the context. But, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the documentaries that she did uh, that was about her uh, was was really a documentary. Uh, it was kind of about her like falling in love with her current spouse. I don't know if they're actually married or not. I think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and which all happened like after that Largo show, after she did that, like, cause again, her girlfriend had just broken up with her right. and, uh, um, it was one of the tragedies. Yes. One of the terrible things that were, she was going through at the time. Um, and so she eventually like falls in love with this other woman. Uh, the other woman who didn't realize she was falling in love with Tig though, because she was straight, <laughs> <laughs> but they were like absolutely like falling in love. Yeah. Um, and they only re- like realized it later because mm-hmm. <laughs> they'd like text nonstop for days on end and like have that like permanent communication and like you wake up in the morning thinking about them, go to sleep thinking about them. Yep. Like that sort of stuff. It's uh, like, yeah, I'm definitely straight, but boy, I really think about take a lot. <laughs> yeah. That sort of stuff. Um, but one of the things that they do um, over the course of the time that they're filming this is they follow her uh doing stand-up and like trying out new material and mm. like working on jokes and like building up to she's gonna do another set at Largo like a year later. Mm. Um and they show her like doing jokes that don't work. Hmm. Like she'll just like say a joke and it'll get kind of like a uh, uh. Right. Um and then at the at the end they show like a portion of her Largo set and one of the jokes is the same joke she told at the beginning, but she changed the punchline. She changed like how she delivered it and it it kills. Hmm. Uh and it's 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 one of those little like just sort of like interesting glimpses of like the process of comedy. Right. Yeah, I I'd love to see more of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um like I get like I understand as a performer, like you want like, you want the finished product. <laughs> right. You want the finished product to be good. You don't want people to have tons of access to all of your garbage. Yeah. Because then you'll seem bad. Yeah. But also, like, it's... As someone who, like, just enjoys stand-up comedy, like, it's fascinating to see the mm-hmm. process and what goes into it. And, like, I could watch it with an understanding of, like... Like, like I'm, I'm watching take work on stuff. And yeah. it's interesting to see your process and figuring things out. And it illuminates the finished product when the finished product mm-hmm. actually comes out. But there'd be a bunch of people, people who'd watch it and be like, Oh, Tig sucks. Yeah. I saw again, speaking of comedy documentaries, um, there was one on Joan rivers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Joan rivers. It was not Joan rivers. It was another famous female comedian. Joan rivers. It was not Joan rivers. Mm. I don't think it was Joan rivers. I'm going to be mad. I'm not going to look it up. It's not worth it. But um, she had this most amazing thing talking about like systems of comedy Mm -hmm. is every joke she wrote, she wrote down on an index card and put them into file drawers based on topic and had thousands of them. Sure. Like, like in her apartment, she had like walls of these drawers of jokes. Is this someone like older, like Joan Rivers? Yes. Yeah. So like a long career worth of writing. Now I really want to think of her name because she, they just did an archive of all of her jokes and they used the crowd to do it. So they put them all, they put all of digital scans of all of her cards online and had people transcribe them. Wow. On the internet. So now there's this like giant catalog of everything mm-hmm. she's written. Phyllis Diller. That's who it was. Phyllis Diller. Yeah. Close. Yeah. I, I 
I feel terrible about it, but I always get her and Joan Rivers confused. Um, yeah, Phyllis Diller was great. Mm-hmm. So, is this something that you can you can just find this on the internet? Uh, I don't know if you can find the archive at this point right now. You may be able to. They, they I think they'd put it on for everybody to transcribe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were doing a double check and a triple check, so they would do a transcription, have somebody else come in and double check it, and a third version of that. Right. Um. And they were having like experts do the second and third steps, mm. so someone on the internet couldn't come in and go, "Yeah, this jo- this card just says poop three times." It'd be a pretty good joke. I mean, Phyllis Diller could pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> poop. It's all about the delivery on yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. Um. So w- w- wait, like, what's the point of that? If you're like, I don't understand why you would want walls of foul cabinets. So she knows all of the jokes she ever wrote. But she's not like, is she going and like, I want to find all the jokes I've ever written about poop. And then she has her little poop folder. And she yeah. Has... The... <sighs> I'm glad they exist because now we have all of them. But like, I'm glad they're getting transcribed and put on the internet. Yeah. But hey, Phyllis Diller, it might have been easier... <laughs> If, like, when computers started existing, you stopped writing all your jokes on index cards and putting them in file cabinets. Yeah, here's here's one I just Googled. Uh, so, topic is animals, current comedy, April 26, 1922. I can't do a Phyllis Diller impersonation, impersonation so just assume I sound like Phyllis Diller. I'll fix it in post. Yeah. Uh, I got a dog to protect my house, but she's way too friendly. The place got burglarized, and she not only didn't bark, she showed him the silver, bought him the car, brought him the car keys, and pulled out my high school yearbook so they could both have a good laugh at my graduation picture. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good Phyllis Diller joke. That's pretty good. Sounds uh, like a good dog. Yeah, if I go to the website they're talking about, yeah, it looks like they're all transcribed. So, but you can still see them all. So if you wanna, if you wanna see a joke, there is like. Obviously, I'm being extreme. Like, there yeah. is something amazing to that as like, yeah. a physical artifact. Absolutely. Of a comedy legend. And, like, transcribing, it's great to have it yeah. permanently recorded, hopefully. Yeah. But, like, that's something that should be preserved. I mean, keep in mind, I wanted to build a card catalog. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm with Phyllis Diller on this one. Of what? All my books. Oh, f- just for your own personal library? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have enough to justify a card catalog? No. Okay, but you want it anyway. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to do it. You Probably. Sure? <laughs> well, so first of all, it's really hard to determine like how you're going to catalog, how you're going to like Which sort it all. Which system you'll use? Well, Library of Congress. That's easy. Okay. But well, the actual like building the cards, like categorizing things, mm. um, not cataloging, cataloging them mm-hmm. is like a whole science. It's called library sciences, right? Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I went to the library and got the book, like the book on categorization. Librarians must love it when people get books about <laughs> libraries from the library. I hope so. <laughs> they probably look at you and they're like, yeah, he's a good one. Yeah. I couldn't read it because it was way too dense and I don't have a degree in library science. <laughs> yeah. But I found enough research to know like, oh, this is the book like on how mm. to categorize things and like how to build a card catalog. Yeah. But uh, I didn't go far enough on it. So. See, this is like what we were talking about with like bros thinking they'd be good at stand up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I am not good enough to be a librarian. Birdemic thing, think you'd be good at that. But like, you tell me, like, hey, build a ca- cataloging system for all your books, and that doesn't sound that complicated to me, right? Like, like, yeah, let me get started. I could probably figure that out. Like, give no, me uh, it's very difficult. <laughs> like, give me a couple days' work, and I'll have a system. Yeah, and then I can implement it. But apparently, I need books and degrees, and yeah, it's. I was shocked at the difficulty. Yeah, you just like write it all down on cards, and then. Put them in a, those cool little drawers. Yeah, those cool little drawers are hard to come by, by the way. I bet they are. Yeah. You probably need to have a degree in library science to get one of I those. Know. I looked on like uh, eBay and other people like how to make your own, but I don't mm. want to make my own. Um, the only appeal of a physical card catalog for me is those little drawers. Those little drawers are great. Like, I don't want a card catalog. Yeah. Even but you if, want a bunch of little drawers? I want a bunch of little drawers. I don't even like things, so I don't even want stuff to... <laughs> like, I couldn't imagine having a bunch of things to put in those drawers, yeah. but I, I love those little drawers. I saw you got a, a bedside table. Like, that was a new thing. Oh, no, I've had that. No, it was new. Okay. Yeah, I got a... <laughs> sorry, yes and I got a new bedside table. Um, you have stuff in the drawer there? I have a... Uh, what is in my drawer? No string. It might literally be Nothing? empty. No. Oh, I have. Uh, I'm gonna a say Gideon Bible. No. <laughs> yes, I only read the Gideon Bible. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say what's in my drawer, and you're not gonna know what it is, and then I'm gonna explain it. Oh, I'm excited by this prospect. I have a thing called a heaty bag. You're right. I don't know what this <laughs> is. I was I was really hoping I would, but I'm more excited that I don't. No, I know that you don't. You might know what it is when I explain what it is, but. Uh, I've always called it a heaty bag. Is it a bag of? Is it a sock full of rice? It's a. It's a not a sock. <laughs> Continue. It's a bag full of rice. Okay. Uh, but yes, my when the heaty bag started in my family when I was like six or seven. My grandma, oh, my first heaty bag. Oh, I wish I still had it. My grandma made us kids heaty bags for Christmas one year. Okay. And uh, she's uh an incredible craftsperson and yeah she uh isn't like sewing and needlework and all that stuff she's really great at so she's just like i'll whip up some heaty bags right yeah um but she made each one of us a like a little heaty bag uh and i forget what kind of fabric it was made out of but the like one side of them had like a dinosaur print oh. on it and i think i had a stegosaurus yeah and like my brother had a T-Rex and mm-hmm. my sister had something else. And it was like our little dinosaur heaty oh, bags. Cute. And I loved it. And then like we all like always had heaty bags, which are just pieces of fabric sewed together with rice inside. And you put yeah. them in the microwave and they get nice and hot and they stay nice and hot. And, yeah. they're, and they're very nice on cold New England winter days. Yeah, you probably don't use it as much here in Austin. I don't use it very much here. <laughs> there was a couple times where it was in like the 30s, and I was like, let me bust out this heaty bag. Yeah. Open the windows just so I can open it. Can I use this? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, after the dinosaur ones that my grandma made, like specifically as heaty bags, we uh, turned like old blankets or coats or. Yeah. I had a. The current one I have was like a pair of corduroy. It was like a red corduroy jacket of my mom's <laughs> that turned into a couple heaty bags. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I have this like red corduroy heaty bag. Yeah. That's like the only thing in my okay. in my nightstand. When yeah. I'm sleeping, there's a water bottle on top of it. Okay. That's it. Have there ever been someone who puts water near my bed? Like I don't need water next to my bed when I'm sleeping. Really? Yeah. You never get thirsty? No, I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like sometimes I just sleep through the night and it's fine. 
But sometimes I wake up and I'm like, home. Like when I wake up in the middle of the night, there's one thing I need. I need to pee. Water. (laughs) What am I going to pee if I don't drink some water? You drink water before bed? Well, no, because then what if I pee? (laughs) (laughs) It's a paradox. (laughs) You got two ducks. Uh, Um. No, but like even if I do sleep through the night, I wake up. Yeah. And boy, do I need water. That's weird. Yeah. I've never been that person. Sleeping makes me real thirsty. That's. Wait, are you, uh, does your body run hot or cold? Like when you're, when you're asleep in bed, do you feel like you're always too warm or always too cold? Are you bundling up in the covers or are you sticking your legs out? I don't have a good answer to this. Are you a medium person? <laughs> I belong in the medium place. <laughs> um, I don't know. Huh. Like, there's there's an answer to this question, and I'm sure Amy knows the answer to this question. I'm sure she does. I'm sure she's even told me. <laughs> but you don't have the self-awareness in this aspect. No, I think, I think she has told me I am hot. You're a hot bed. person. Okay. She has told you. That. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, no, I'm thinking. The more I'm thinking about it, like I'm trying to think of like incidents when she's like, "No, get off me! You're too hot." Right. Don't move your arm away from me. Well, because here's my confusion: is so I'm I apparently run hot when I'm asleep. Okay. Uh, based on the information I'm now gathering in my head, yep. and, like putting together memories. But often, like I will get up in the morning on like say a Saturday, and I'll get up at like six or seven a.m. because that's mm-hmm. just when I'm waking up now. Mm-hmm. And I'll go do stuff, and Amy will sleep until 10 or 11 or 12. Wow, really? Yeah, sometimes. Not usually like 10 or 11. Yeah. But, um, and sometimes I will go lay back down in bed, mm-hmm. and I am always very cold when I do that. But I've been awake. Ah. Uh, so that's what's, okay. what was confusing me. Hmm. But when I get into bed, like after being awake, I'm definitely cold. But I think I run hot when I'm asleep. Yeah. See, I de- okay. So my theory apparently is incorrect because that was going to be my theory. Oh, you run hot. I run hot. Like I'm, I'm, I always need to carefully regulate based on how much of my leg is outside. I mean, of I've definitely, I've done covers. the like the one leg game. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, like whenever there's another person in bed with me, it like get away from me. Like, <laughs> Don't touch your me. Your body is yeah. warm. Like I'm too warm. Yeah. Um. So I thought maybe like my body's running really hot, like I'm using lots of energy. I'm getting thirsty, yeah. so I wake up and I'm really thirsty. But nah, I, I guess do, not. I do not wake up thirsty. You just got a well-regulated moisture control yeah, in must. your mouth. That must be it. It must be because you are regularly taking sips of water throughout the day. Um, yeah, I don't drink water at all. I mean, you're doing that right I know, now. I know, I know. And I haven't drank any of my it's water. It's true, you haven't. It's because it's not in front of me. Yeah. Um, well, I've also, I'm, I've had three beers, so I'm trying to like balance that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, hmm. Yeah. What's in my bedside? I have weird stuff in my bedside table. Mm. Like there's books on top, because that's have, where books live. Do you have a heaty bag? No. What do you, so you knew, you know what a heaty bag is. Yeah. What do you call a heaty bag? I don't have a name for it. Sock of rice? Yeah, like that's... Have you ever used uh, one of these yeah. kinds of things? Yeah. Wait, do you literally just put rice in a sock and put it in the microwave? Or no, we have like a fancy one that was like made, but okay. it's made out of material that feels like sock. Mm. See, uh, that you purchased or was made for you? 
Yeah, one of those. I don't know. <laughs> it's like all of mine. I, I apparently they're things you can buy somewhere. Yes, but all of mine have been like homemade. Yeah, because you just take some fabric and, and sew it closed with over rice. rice. Inside. Yeah, yeah. You could definitely do that. Like I could do that by hand. Yeah. Um. So here are things that I know are in one of my two beds that are. I got I got a top and bottom drawer. Wow. I know. Uh, so things that I know are in my bedside drawer, and this is not a complete list. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the parts of my Hellboy gun. <laughs> oh my God. What a way to start. A metal cup that I used to take camping. So it has a carabiner on it so I can clip it in my belt loop. Okay. Uh, all of the cards that my Penny Arcade pins came on. Not the pins themselves, because those are in a different place. But the cards that they came on. Um, some really old CDs, mm-hmm. a mixture of stuff I burned and stuff that I bought. Um, a reading lamp that I have never used because it's always awkward to clip a book onto your uh, a lamp onto your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the things I can remember. I have a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, there might no. I was going to say there might be pogs, but I think those are in a different drawer. Oh, my God. We're going to focus on this drawer for now. <laughs> um, uh, okay, I'll start at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you're, you said all, all of the parts mm-hmm. to your Hellboy gun. Yeah. Why is it in parts? It fits in the drawer better. <laughs> Okay. So I never. So um, is this like a thing you're building, or does it just? So I I come built because I did Hellboy cosplay a few years ago. Okay. Which is maybe not a thing you knew about me. <laughs> I don't think I knew that about you. I can see it now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I went to my first PAX, and one day I did cosplay as Hellboy. Um, do- which was not the right choice for PAX because PAX is a video game convention. Eh. But uh, I didn't let that stop me. I I made pretty much everything from scratch. Like the, the costume pieces, like the jacket and the shirt, I didn't. But I like that your Hellboy has his um, all of his PAX pins, too. Yeah, well, that, that's I'm wearing my badge. Right. So um, and uh, let me go more. I also met Jesus mm. as Hellboy. Oh, yeah. So there you can see the, my gun. <laughs> nice yeah yeah um and so i had that 3d printed um but it and in, in parts right um and i just uh friction held it together so like they squeezed together and and were all pieces. i didn't glue it hmm. um i could but i never did um and so the the components are in that drawer because it fits better yeah okay um because it's it's large, it's a larger it's than a, average it's a gun. Big gun. Yeah, um, there was a cup. Yeah, why is your nightstand the appropriate place to store your cup? That's actually a question for all of those items. <laughs> <laughs> so here's how that cup probably ended up in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I was a youth, I was in the Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. And for many years, I had a scout drawer uh, that was all of my scouting equipment. Makes sense. Uh, so uniforms, primarily like socks, shirt, pants, belt, mm-hmm. scouting equipment. 
Uh, and I would always ask my mom, like, hey, where are my scout socks? Said, Did you look in your scout drawer? And I'd say, no, why would I look there? <laughs> uh, and among other things that were in there was the cup I always took to Twin Arrows, which is a scout camp I worked at for many, many years. I suspect, so this, this I've had the same bedside table since I was a child. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. So... Has not, it just been in there the whole time? Not long after I moved to Austin, my folks brought up the dressers, the shelf, and the lights, and the this bedside table that I had as a kid that were still in their house and brought it to Austin. <laughs> nice. Uh, and so it was in there when they brought it up. And it has stayed in there. I haven't needed to take it out. It's a camp cup. I haven't gone camping. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, if I go camping, I would probably go get that cup. And when you were finished camping, where would you put it? Back in the drawer. <laughs> because that's where it should go or because that's where it was before? That's where it lives now. <laughs> okay. Um, I need to take some deep breaths <laughs> trying to understand this. Um, all right. What else was there? Uh, there was various CDs. Yeah. Are they loose? Or are they like in... Most a- of them are in their jewel cases. Okay, so just jewel cases in a drawer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think what else is in there. There's got to, There's more stuff. Oh. Those drawers are very full. Well, you said two other things. Uh, there was the book light, which is there because I read books, but yep. I never actually use that. Yep. And then... Um, what else? What else? I don't remember what I said. So the book light makes perfect sense. Yeah, except I never use it. <laughs> except you never use it, right? But like, yeah, it's a thing that, that you would go on a bedside keep table in your bedside table because it's a bedtime yeah. activity item. Yeah. Um, I thought I had pogs, but I'm pretty sure the pogs were in a different drawer. I would have a lot of questions about <laughs> pogs being in your bedside table. Yeah, they're um, they're I think in the drawer in my bookshelf. But also, like, why is the gun in the bedside table, especially since it doesn't fit well? I had to put it somewhere. Hmm. Uh, well, so like so there were there, like when I came home from PAX the first time, I had to figure out where to put a lot of my Hellboy stuff. So I have the fist like sitting on a shelf, and I have the gun like put on, away on a shelf, right? That seems that like would that just... would also work, yeah. But it's not where I put it. Hmm. Um, I also I often hide gifts in that drawer. Um, like if I'm hiding why. a gift from Amy, I will put it in that drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, if I like bought her something for her birthday or Christmas or whatever, right. or anniversary, we don't have any of those coming up. So there's no gifts in there right now. Right. But like, sounds like a good place to hide it. It's filled with a bunch of random stuff and yeah. it'd be very difficult to find yeah. something in there. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is in there. I'm going to go look when I go home hmm. for a while. Um, oh, you know what else is in mine? Yeah. Uh, a box of pens. That's a weird thing to put in that drawer. It is. Um, I use a specific pen. Of course you do. And I just, I recently used up the last one of my box of 12. Oh, wow. It takes me like years to go yeah. through a box of 12 yeah. pens because I also don't lose things. So I truly like use, use a whole a, box of pens. I use a pen until it's dry and then I grab a new I've always one wanted to do box. that. It must be nice. I, I did it 12 times. <laughs> um, but I got a whole box of pens and I, uh, Previously, I had a couple pen. Listen, I don't have like an office or office supplies except pens. Okay. So I don't have like a place to keep pens where they like make sense where they with live. other things. 
So I had like a couple pens in like my toolbox. Okay. They just like fit well. Yeah. With like a screwdrivers mm-hmm. and stuff. But now I have a whole box and I was like, I want to keep these in the box because they're in a box. Yeah. And I was like, I don't lose that box. But like, but also like the only drawer in my apartment (laughs) is my nightstand, (laughs) except for in my kitchen, which has a bunch of kitchen stuff. You should have a junk drawer. That's not my style. (laughs) Every kitchen needs a junk drawer. No, it doesn't. Where you put junk. I don't have junk. Yet. Uh, Governor Gary Johnson has not tweeted since election night. Really? Yeah. Why is that significant? I just like to check in and see what he's doing. Oh, he's a real bad guy, right? <sighs> he's fine. He's not making acid birds. He's not making acid birds. I mean, he's he's a loony. And I say that as someone who voted for him. Oh, not, really? not this time. But I voted for Hillary, like a oh, same person. But you said Governor Gary Johnson. I when you said that my brain thought Governor Greg Abbott because he's because oh. he's our governor. Yeah, no, he's a loony too, but the more evil kind of loony. He's the he's the loony who wants to regulate bathroom usage. Right, he's a bad guy. Yeah, Gary Johnson is a loony. Yeah, who ran for president. Yeah, and has not tweeted since election night. Has uh, Lady Gary Johnson tweeted? Jill Stein, Jill- probably. <laughs> yeah, Lady Gary Johnson. Yeah, I just like to check in on his Twitter account every now and then. Mm. He hasn't said anything. Has he completely dropped off public? I don't know, life? but like the fact that he has not said anything since then is like, hmm, hmm, yeah, hmm. probably not all that upset that Donald Trump's the president. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I'm curious. Like, if, like, like there are definitely things that libertarians should hate that Donald Trump is doing. Uh, right, but most libertarians are just angry white men. Well, a lot of them are, yeah. So they're probably fine. Yeah, but it's it's really fascinating that he just hasn't tweeted. Yeah. Like his last tweet is like, "Watch live election night stuff." <laughs> <laughs> you think he's just like he's probably just still sitting in the chair in front of his television, like with his <laughs> head in his hands. I can dream. Yeah. Or he's just. I like to imagine. I forgot that Gary Johnson existed. Yeah, that's easy to do. Um, he shows up every four years, runs right. for president as libertarian. That's about it. Um, but every once in a while, I think about like, what's Hillary Clinton up to? Because she's she's popping up here and there. Yeah, well, she had a tweet storm recently. Yeah. Um, but like, if 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 I was Hillary, yeah, I'd be in an incredible mental battle between like despair and oh my gosh i lost and i can't believe what's happening in the world when i was so close and yada 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 and also just being like well uh i did what i could guess i'm like retired now i'm gonna enjoy the rest of my life i would right like she just has ultimate freedom and no responsibilities yeah so so go walk in the woods go walk around the woods yeah right unless she's planning on running again yeah well as as someone pointed out hillary doesn't owe us anything Oh, no. In fact, we owe Hillary everything. If I saw Hillary Clinton, I would bow down before her and kiss her feet and apologize. She, yeah, and and buy her a drink or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. She did her part. Yeah, she did what she could. Uh, I would kind of love to lose the presidency and then spend the rest of my life walking around the woods. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's what Gary Johnson's doing. (laughs) Imagine, like, you know when you... 
like when a responsibility is lifted from you, like mm-hmm. the sense of relief that yeah. comes with that. Could you imagine the sense of relief that comes from not winning the presidency? Yeah, that's intense. I'd take a real long bath. <laughs> bath with wine. <laughs> Acid. Acid. Acid bath. <laughs> Oh, wait, I didn't even consider this. Maybe Steve Bannon just bathes in acid. <laughs> well, what if... No, it turns into vinegar, not acid. I was going to say, what if he had a bathtub full of wine and it just turned into vinegar? But hmm. Is vi- vinegar an acid? I don't know. I think... Is it, it acidic or basic? I don't know. I've I, learned the uh, word is alkali, not that's, basic. Oh. I learned that once. I, I said basic recently on one of our podcasts instead of... But it's a it's a base. Well, yeah, but you don't say basic. You say alkali. Are you sure? No. I, <laughs> like, I, I took AP chemistry and said basic a lot. Well, I'll take your word over mine then. <laughs> like, I know alkali also works. Yeah. But... I, mean, I didn't take AP I'm history. I'm not some kind of like chemistry, like fancy pants. I'm person. not either. I'm not gonna say, oh, that's alkali. I think vinegar is acidic. Okay. I think maybe so. he just had a jacuzzi full of wine and waited too long. That, I guess that's possible. Time makes fools of us all. I'm somehow I'm more comfortable with the idea of uh, Steve Bannon <laughs> bathing in acid than I am with him <laughs> bathing in wine. A jacuzzi full of wine. It seems worse. With the wine. That's weird. Hmm. I don't know why. Neither seem pleasant. But that's mainly because I'm picturing Steve Bannon naked. <laughs> yeah, that's the primary <laughs> reason it's unpleasant. In fact, I'd rather bathe in acid than <laughs> bathe with Steve Bannon. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a hell of a story. <laughs> <laughs>